welcome to Amnesty International's comedy podcast series. This year, Amnesty's had exclusive backstage access at two of the biggest events on the comedy calendar, the 2014 Edinburgh Festival Fringe and the Balham Comedy Festival in London. We'll be bringing you a series of interviews with some of the greatest stand-up comedians working today, and along with finding out about the business of laughter, we'll be chatting about life, politics and human rights. This time, we're welcomed in to the hilarious and rambling mind of Canadian stand-up Tony Law. He'll be debating what you should and shouldn't joke about, revealing his latest movie role, and sharing his surprising talent for performing World War II aircraft impressions. Tony Law. Yes? Thank you very much for joining Amnesty International backstage at the Ballam Comedy Festival. Well, it's a pleasure. I like to pretend that I care. <laughs> because uh, it's good for the image. And you've just come off stage, how are you feeling? Uh, pretty tired. So you're taking your new show, Enter the Tone Zone, up to Edinburgh this year. What can we expect to see besides the uh, interpretive dance? Uh, shamanistic dance, uh, trying to draw the dead out, or trying to come to terms with the dead, and hopefully, um, you know, if I do it right, uh, making people think about um, if someone or something close to them dies, that maybe uh, a way to help heal themselves over that personal death is to think about other death hmm. and perhaps, um, uh, you know, gain solace through that. I know it doesn't seem like it. It probably won't even when the show's finished. <laughs> but that's what's meant to be. But it is tinged with sadness, but you... You work around that and you bring it back to laughter, well, I think. Well, yeah, because uh, death is sad, but then um, how, what are we supposed to do? All just be sad all the time? No, we've got to tackle it, face it straight on. And are you looking forward to going up to Edinburgh? Uh, not really. It's always a bit of a shit fuck for the whole family because they've got five-year-old twins. They hate having to be in a place like uh, uh, we'll, we'll try and do more shows with them this year we always do a lot of shows but it's like me and my wife and my two kids are like a little solid unit and uh, my wife is pulled in all directions she's directing my show making, helping me not come across as a total prick and we've got to organise the twins and stuff and so then she's got to deal with my stress and uh, and so, not really. But I think once it gets going on about day 10, then it's fine. Yeah. Then we can start going to kids' shows and I can start stealing their ideas for next year. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't your kids snuck on stage once whilst you've been on? Uh, they've done that twice or three times, actually. Twice. Once. They, they first did it once at um, End of the Road. But that was sweet because they were just crying and Daddy was on stage. And the boy went on and then the girl was like, oh, why is daddy on? She just peed herself. So she was in these little yellow pants, <laughs> naked. She ran on. So that was the first time. But the main one was at uh, Latitude. Uh, not, not this last one, but the one before where um, there's like, there was 7,000, 8,000 people there. And they just snuck on because my wife and I had a little bit of a code word. She's going to hate me for admitting this, but it's true. <laughs> when we walked in, I saw Rich Hall. I went, ah terrible up there you can't hear yourself and when we watched him it was brilliant he was storming it and he hated it then in the next act who walked by on our way and went it was terrible you can't hear yourself but they looked like they were storming it so i said to my wife it's gonna be fine i'm just gonna remember that and i'm gonna storm it and she said well if it's going shit do you want me to let because she knows the kids will try and get on stage should i let them go 
I'm like, well, yeah, if you want, but it won't. It's going to be fine. So she then was backstage and, and couldn't hear anything and thought I was dying. When I wasn't, I was going, I've got this. She let go of their hands. One went that way. One went that way. They went up the ramp. And Mark Olver was the compare. He tried to catch one. The security tried to catch the other one. But once one got on, the whole crowd goes, oh, right? And so I gave them the microphone. And they were like, hello. And the crowd's going, yay. And then the other one came out. And then they finally brought the microphones. And so I just took the piss out of them and their observational stand-up. <laughs> so it ended up being uh, pretty good. I got paid, and I, I probably did like one minute of material. They did it all. And they stormed it for you. They did. They did really good. That's yeah. what you need. Release the children. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I want to talk to you about the way you dress on stage. It seems to evolve every year. Yes. It seems to have gone from kind of a polar explorer theme to Viking-esque Genoese sailor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Moving all through the gears. And the occasional unitard. Yeah, so I'm bringing back the unitard type sitch, but putting tassels on it. Um, so last year, it was more of a who thing, so it was like a bit of a Keith Moon, Roger Daltrey. I got in uh, thinking about that because of Roger Daltrey and his uh, work with Teenage Cancer Trust, mm. and then also him being a hero of mine when I was young. So I thought I'd bring a bit of that in, and then uh, also I think I have a, like a Keith Moon side of my personality, so I try and weave <laughs> that in. And then so this year I have lots of more dancing, so I need something stretchy. So yeah. it's, it's uh, functional, and we're going to get tassels. So it's still a bit of the who, uh, but we're moving it up a gear. So we're well away from the the travelers, you know, yeah, the, yeah. the Genoese sailors. We're moving on, and it's going to be shamanistic. It's just fun, and also it's a fun thing for me and my wife to do is to talk about these things and go, "What should we? Why? Why would we wear that? What does it mean?" <laughs> so the Edinburgh crowd are in for a treat. Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I guess although it's uh, stressful and worrying and horrific and worrying about doing a good show, it's a lot of fun we have as a family to work <laughs> out what Daddy's going to look like. <laughs> And also, I don't know, I grew up loving uh, rock bands from Britain. And they always have such style. And, uh, and I like The Who and I like you know, loads of things. I just, I just think you should dra- get a costume on. Don't look clownish mm. too mm. much. But I think it's great to have a costume to change into. And it gets you into the zone. Yeah. yeah. So I the think tone really, zone. Into the tone zone, yeah. It's really <laughs> hard to get into a gig when you, like tonight. I'm just wearing clothes, you know. Mm. I think I've come across a video of you on the internet dressed as a stormtrooper. Oh, yeah, that was, yeah, that was, um, yes, yes. But there's no context to it. None. <laughs> you just, just yeah, you're was, having fun. Yeah, I remember that. That was on a Channel, fa- uh, Channel 4 um, sketch show pilot. And they said, what would you like to wear? And I just said, uh, stormtrooper, don't need the helmet. <laughs> just wanted to wear it. And then I was talking about art. <laughs> and I was doing a thing about, uh, yeah, dogs painting wasn't it yeah I about think so, how yeah. hard it was to, I thought he's going to, to mention train it. them to pl- no train the dogs to play pool <laughs> but I was thinking he's going to mention Star Wars in a minute yeah it became a <laughs> thing <Never> yeah <laughs> it became a thing there for a few years where I would do uh, do or wear stuff where I wouldn't mention it uh, I had a six month period where I wore Mickey Mouse hands <laughs> and in six months I never mentioned them once so uh, I've had a few of those I just I just thought well it's it, it, it's like the one shoe lying in the street <laughs> it's up to people to make up, to decide what it is. Uh, making a joke out of it or an answer sort of ruins it. <laughs> it's but making most answers, like, <laughs> you know, and amongst sort of my hipster nerds, freak zone fans, 
uh, it's fine because they they get it. But if you go and do like a, you know, a jonglers or something, uh, gig, they, what what's that? What's, what's, you know, they want to know. And that's <laughs> what I'm like. No, I don't know what. I like it. Keep them guessing. Exactly. <laughs> I had I had one thing where I counted the fingers on. I can't remember what it how it went, but it was like one, two, three. Yeah, eight, eight. <laughs> um, so if I could take you back to the start of your career when you were clean shaven and wide eyed, uh, when did you decide you wanted to become a comedian? Do you know what? I never uh, decided I wanted to become a comedian. I just felt I always was one. Uh, no, I, I was always a clown, just a clown insecure clown who uh, something uh, and now having kids now I've worked it out if you're not getting enough attention or say or whatever so if you laugh at I was just getting laughs and attention from being funny and it just sort of develops and it goes on Sarah Silverman wrote a good thing in a paper one time about her parents just that's how she was getting her love of her mum and dad and it just so that she's just going to hone it without thinking of it her dad used to laugh at her for doing dirty jokes, so that's the way she went. And uh, my mom and dad used to just laugh at just the most outrageous things I'd say. And then I've sort of passed it on to my daughter, who will uh, uh, just just the craziest stuff she'll say, and then I'll just piss myself. <laughs> There's a real connection. So no, always a bit of a clown. So would you? Be I, I never thought I could be a comedian because I was from a farm in Canada, and I thought that's what city people did. So it took me a long time to get confidence. And you moved over here, and when you were bin man in the Royal Parks or something? Yes, yeah, yeah I was bin man there. I drove the garbage truck because I could drive a garbage truck, and I picked up litter, and uh, yeah, I did loads of jobs. Yeah, did that. And I heard a tour guide around Europe. Yeah, I did a tour, <laughs> tour guide as well. Yeah, I've done them all. But you blagged your way yeah. through the his history. Well, yeah, because uh, what happened is. This is uh, in the olden days when uh, I applied for the job because I knew a lot about history because I loved hi I love history. They said, uh, yeah, but you've got to have a ba at least a bachelor's degree. And I went, yeah, I got it. Okay, we well, got to send it over. And so I went, yeah, no, I'll, I'll contact the University of wherever it was that I went. <laughs> and I, oh, still not here, still not here. But then I got to the training trip. It was getting too late. But I was doing good on the training trip. So I went and did the training trip, came back. I was going, well, he's good. So I got the job. Then they sort of forgot about it. They kept asking. But I was always stuck with the Korean trips for my first year, yeah. Which was a lot of fun because they would have a translator with you which bought you time to make shit up that you didn't know. Uh, Tony, the people want to know, what is this fountain? And it'd be just a random fountain on the outskirts of Paris with the drivers taking, the coach drivers taking a wrong turn. Just a random stupid fountain. But it would buy me time while she was asking it. And I go, well, this is where the uh, jackal tried to assassinate Charles de Gaulle. And it's now called Miss Me Fountains. And then you could sit back in your chair and listen to her talking back at them while you're looking out the front window. Bing lo ha mao. I don't know, Miss Me Fountain, Charles de Gaulle. And you go, nice work, dude. So I riffed my way around Europe on that. But they were wonderful. And it's before the days of Google, so I guess they can Nobody can, yep. cut away with it. Yep. <laughs> and so, as we discussed, you're from Alberta originally. Mm. Um, do you find there's a difference between Canadian and British sense of humour? No. 
Well, no, because I don't... Um, there's just a difference between humor and, um, like, globally. So people want there to be a difference between German and English or French or, or Colombian. Or, but what I've found, and this is the good thing about being old is that actually in each country there's the load of the same people who love the same humor in each country. Hmm. So it's more like belts of people going like that. Hmm. You know what I can mean? And so there's groups of people in Colombia who love the same humor as you do Yeah. yeah. And, and, and throughout the world. And so there's Germans like me and Germans like you and then there'll be, then there's rednecks in every fucking country in the world and they like the same fucking bullshit. And then there's really ultra-liberal people who don't know what they think, and they like the same. And then there's humorless people. <laughs> but there's probably about 15% of all people, and I've made that figure up, <laughs> in the world, in every country, who are clever and uh, kind, and they love the same uh, sort of humor. Mm. So I don't, for me, I can, I've never felt a nationality yeah. difference at all. So in Alberta, there's some cool oaks. Yeah. Cool dudes would be the same as all my dudes. Yeah. Over here. So what's the furthest flung place you've uh, gigged? Uh, Shanghai. It's got to be Shanghai, I think. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think Shanghai, Croatia. That's not so far. And did you storm it? Um, Shanghai, no. I wasn't very good back then. And also, a lot of... The, it depends where you go. Expats can be pretty cool in, like, Paris. Because they're usually teachers and... Uh, or whatever, but then sometimes when they're like oil executives or uh, people trying to exploit the economy of a place, and they might, I don't know. <laughs> so, no, I don't remember about that. And uh, I turned on the TV, I think it must have been last year. I watched Sue Perkins heading out comedy. Oh, yeah. And who did I see as a Dutch bodybuilder? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But your good self. That was me. I was. Uh, I was my favorite joke of that whole thing. And I didn't even watch the whole sitcom. I just trusted Sue would be all right, so I didn't have to. <laughs> but she was great. Uh, got to riff, and I picked her up to weigh her. <laughs> and, uh, I can't remember. Something like, hey, she weighs like a, like a juvenile leopard. I thought it and then was... girls would walk by, and I'd pick them up and <laughs> weigh them. That's, all, that's what I've taken from that. I fucking love that. I thought it was great. I thought you really fit the part. She, I, yeah, well, uh, you know, I'm, I know a lot of Dutch people. She's funny as fuck. So is there more? But she wrote that sitcom in like, um, I think like two weeks. She really? just went, brrr, wrote it, bang. Clever motherfucker. But it didn't get I bet enough. if she had it, yeah, it didn't get another season. <laughs> I bet if she gave it like one more day, yeah. she would have got a second She'd season. I think yeah. she just went, oh, fuck it, here you go. Brrr, bang. <laughs> She's so much more uh, clever and surreal uh, that anyone knows. I love her. Lo I adore her. So is there more acting on the horizon for you? Don't know. Don't know. I refuse to go and chase it. I've seen on IMDb that you are due to be in a horror film. Oh, yeah. It's a Western <laughs> noir horror film. <laughs> yeah. Can you tell us about that? Uh, no. <laughs> Oh, I can tell you, I, drew, I rode a um, uh, stagecoach, drove a stagecoach. Absolutely terrifying. And if you ever see me on the top riding, look closely at my eyes. I'm pretending I'm cool, but it's <laughs> fucking horrific. I thought we were all going to die. It's so terrifying in the mud. <laughs> that was fun, though. I got to dress up in all the clothes and that. And you played the character of Yancey, I think. Yancey, that's right. And I, got, I, I didn't even have to do an audition. 
I've just gone through this phase in the last year where I go, no, can't do it. And the more you say, can't do it, the more they go, yeah, well, okay, he doesn't have to come in for an issue. Well, um, he can do it online. <laughs> so I just I did it on the phone and sent it in. So the more you say, I'm not bothered, the more you don't give a shit, like genuinely don't want something, the more you get. Thank People say that. <laughs> but that's, that's amazing. That's the way it has to be. Well, I can't wait to see it. When's it out? No idea. I bet it's only going to make it out on like um, Netflix or something. Yeah. I saw a clip of me in it. And I can't bear to look at myself. But I, I think I might have been okay in it. But I didn't like the character. I was, what you doing? Where are you going to, mister? But I think it's going to be funny because the guy who plays Calhoun, the main guy, in the clip I saw, says his name four times, which is hilarious. Cause, where are you going, mister? Name's Calhoun. And next went, he meets the people inside the stagecoach. It's Calhoun. And he said Calhoun. And I thought, well, I think it might be funny. A lot of the actors didn't know it was a comedy. Oh, really? Or a comedy slash horror. Because there were, nobody was told it. So everyone was playing it really straight. That's what they wanted. Yeah. yeah. But I was pretty aware it was. A, <laughs> well, there was a one scene where there's like a... So it's a, it's a werewolf who <laughs> rips apart a man's body. And we all come around the back looking. For, and, and then Calhoun sees him and he goes, over here. So we all come over. And we, we have to bend down. And all, these, uh, all the actors nowadays seem to do that real quiet thing where they don't move their lips. It's like a thing that everyone does, they realize. And so it's quite windy in the woods. And he said, oh, what do we got here? Yeah. And it took so many takes. I go, what? <laughs> I couldn't hear. Yeah, but I can't hear because I got my next line. It's like totally stand-up comedian. And everyone's going, oh, for fuck's sake. Come on, Tony, just time it. Okay. I go, Sorry, 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 what? When, when do I go? But it, so he picks up some uh, fur off the guy and he, he smells it and he, then he passes it up to me and, uh, and I go, my line is go, Grizzly? <laughs> and he goes, no. And then I pass it to another guy and he smells it. And the other guy's in like uh, Vikings. Like these guys are fucking proper big actors, right? <laughs> there's me in the middle. For the next cut, there's 70 crew and they're all ready for the next one. I go, okay, go again. And he picks it up and, Smells it, passes it me, and I go, Panda? <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking love that. Like there was a killer panda on the loose. So you were popular with the other actors? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I hope so. I do like actors, though. They're, they're better than us comedians. Well, I can't wait they're to see They're more giving. I can't wait to see it in the cinemas, hopefully. No, um, it won't be. Never. <laughs> No fucking way. So back to your comedy. Your shows yeah. usually have a kind of subtle sociological message. Mm. Um, who would you say your targets are? My target? Um, or the people I don't like? Mm. Yeah. Bullies. Okay. All the bullies. Sexists. <laughs> Misogynists. They're the main ones. Just like being in love with someone and mm. having a daughter and all that. Uh, them. Them. Mm. Yeah. You know, when you're in love with someone who's, like, smart and clever and you think, holy fuck, and then you hear their stories. and You know, not like fucking, um, oh, a guy fucking felt my ass in the tube. Like, not that. I mean, mm. serious. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So that. I mean, I've heard uh, you say that. Bullies. Just bullies. Just people who, I don't mind people being pricks in life, but uh, the target should be worthy. Hmm. Someone should be worthy of the target, not yeah. the weak. Never bully the weak. Never punch down. 
No, exactly. Yeah. God, I'm gonna. St- that's. Per- <laughs> I've been looking for a phrase, honestly. Never punch down. You can have that. Oh, yeah, I will. <laughs> Unless you're into like just like punching your knob, because that's what you're into. But that's fine. You're only doing it to yourself. Wow, that didn't need to come in there at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but if that's sort of a, uh, in my simple badly educated mind means everything covers everything Mm. just fucking bullying just being a prick and then um you know because there's been points in my life where i think uh, and also when it's pointed out by your loved ones when you've been a prick Mm. um uh it's it's hard to go yeah oh yeah Mm. i am so so in that respect do you think comedy can change anything uh no well no I don't think I don't know never really I don't I don't know anything mm. it's a general thing isn't it everything yeah. can slowly so if yeah. you go to comedy and people are doing bullying things if people if, if you go to a comedy show and someone's saying to a crowd member uh, to a man a man is saying to a man who would you rather fuck a 14 year old who looks like an 18 year old or an 18 year old who looks like a 14 year old to me that's fucking disgusting to the 18 year old because you're just saying who would you rather fuck a woman who looks 14. Hmm. But hmm. more importantly, you're saying to all the 14-year-old girls out there that you're just, a f- you know, a child. Hmm. You're saying, you, you, you're saying you're just fucking shit. Like, it's a, it's a more horrific line than people seem to give it credit for. Hmm. It's like, um, I think it's fucking horrible. It's disgusting. Imagine being a 14-year-old girl in this world and then having something horrific happen to you. And then some prick goes on stage and says that. Mm. I think it's disgusting. Seems a whole and, they, and I am disgusted with myself for being too cowardly to have gone up to him afterwards and gone, dude, the fuck? Mm. I didn't, though. Yeah. I sort of just snuck off and thought, oh, I'm going to mention that <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> in my comedy shows. But I felt cowardly. My wife wanted to say something. Mm. Uh, but, you know, that's uh, I'm not brave sometimes. But So I forgot the question. Oh, well, it's kind of leading <laughs> to my next question, because Amnesty supports the right to freedom of expression. But do you yeah. think there are some comedians, particularly uh, recently, who rely on that kind of shock and offence uh, model well, of comedy? there was uh, a bunch of big guys making millions of pounds that were doing it there for a while, and uh, that just got to the point where it was uh, a little bit... Well, it's, it's not very... Um, well, they're not really thinking too much about what they're saying. I mean, I've been in positions where I've said things I hadn't thought about, but, but they were millionaires doing it. And um, I'm lucky because I got someone who can monitor me and say, hey, dude, I know you're a good person, but this is what you said. Mm. Clearly there. But what's happened now is, um, so uh, there for a while, you got these sort of right on cool dudes who are really lovely comedians. There was a, we used to call them the hanging around gang, but they're like backpacks on the back. There's like, who would, who walked the walk? They were good guys saying good things and being nerds. But mm. then you've suddenly found this, there's another bunch who've come along uh, who are trying to pretend they're like them, but saying the horrific things that these other guys are saying. Mm. And um, uh, I, think it's, I think it's time for one of the cool rock and roll motherfuckers to stand up and go, hey, pretend nerds. <laughs> Leave it to the real nerds. Because rock and roll's in town, we're gonna shut you down. <laughs> <laughs> No, but you know what I mean. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's like they want to be cool because... So, so some people are uh, 
Oh, this is a comedian's because this goes out and someone's going to get fucking, someone's going to be on acid at some festival and going, you think that I'm this? And I'm, oh, God. <laughs> I don't. It's just like uh, some people will think it's, uh, I can be a hipster and I got a beard, but I can also say that about mm. 14 year olds. Yeah. Human, female, women, children. Yeah. So it's like a style rather than, uh, so it's weird how things can morph. Mm. And then like, um, some acts can be deemed uh, naff hmm. just because they're a bit like, hey, I don't know. Yeah, I think, I think then there's enough of an answer in there. Good luck editing that. <laughs> that is confusing. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> uh, and talking of your right. Um, talking of the right? Of t- and talking of your rights. Oh, uh, the, cons- the Conservatives recently said they might scrap the, <coughs> human, the human Rights Act after the next election. What do human rights mean to you? Well, what is the Human Rights Act? It's all sorts of things, like the right to education, the right to marry, the right to for free speech, as we said. Yep. And so the what? What's happening? Well, the Conservatives are talking about uh, that they might scrap it after the next election. Jesus Christ. God, this is the thing about not being politically engaged. I think that I, <laughs> I have to stick to what I'm doing and then have guys like you to tell me... <laughs> And then I can go, oh, whoa, 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 that's going on? <laughs> well, do you know what I think? That's bad. I think we need some people standing up for bullies. <laughs> just like we need to not execute people who are innocent. <laughs> <laughs> that one seems so uh, logical, that one. Mm. Well, if you get one who didn't do it, at least you got the other nine who did. Wow, okay, sure. Mm. So what's stopping me from shooting you right in the face right now? <laughs> thing is uh, I think um, wow well that's awful I can't believe that they would even suggest that it is it is quite a surprise do you think they're fooling us with something how how are they getting that across it's because our image is bad isn't it people who give a fuck we've got a terrible image we're not tough enough or we're too humorless and maybe militant you know like in feminism certainly there was a phase where it's like oh uppity uppity Maybe sarcasm and uh, maybe more men beating sexist men to death. <laughs> is that too strong? Actually, that's going against what I think. It's going against what Amnesty. <laughs> <laughs> but there's got to be, um, there's got to, the thing that they do, the right wing nasty people, is uh, what they do is, because they don't give a shit, is they manage to give across an image of, hey, I'm just being funny. Uh, while saying horrific things. And then when people get really upset on the left or whatever side you call it, we end up going, no, you can't do that. That's because we are put on our back foot. That's what happens in my family all the time. Mm. And so finally, Tony, whilst you lean out the window... I bought a sword. (laughs) What for? What do you think? (laughs) Human rights. Nobody needs to know about my sword. (laughs) And nobody needs to know it's folded iron... Uh, done from the uh, Teutonic Knights. Good. I could tell you more about the sword, but I don't want you to know about it. No, but I think... uh, No, we need to re-own stuff in life. We need to get back... You know, like... uh, It's it's amazing how um, these conservative-type people can, like, behave appallingly, and then... Oh, the liberals out there with all their homos and their... The thing, and... Yeah, but all the people are having an affairs. That's an interesting thing. You're probably not going to be... Your lawyers won't let you put this in. (laughs) But something to do with infidelity. 
uh, where amongst conservative voters in North America and here is something like triple to... Oh, right? really? Yeah. Yeah, so if we're having the odd orgy here and there, <laughs> we're not, you know, we're not cheating. I don't know, that didn't sound right, that, but you know what I meant. <laughs> I know what you mean. No, it's just horrible. I hate the hypocrisy. Do you know World War II fighter <laughs> airplanes? Yeah, I'm... I'm okay, we're going with British planes now. And by the way, I, um, I've always been into these uh, things since I was a kid. Uh, but my wife came home one night. Uh, this is a few years ago now. And you know when you snap the laptop shut? Yep. You know, sometimes... Oh, yeah. Say, I know you. Say, I know, it's not me, but say other people, you're watching porn. You don't want to get embarrassed. Well, I slapped the fucking computer shut because I was on a website which there's no visuals where I was learning uh, aircraft noises <laughs> and I was too embarrassed. She said, what have you been up to? I went, nothing. <laughs> she opened it up the next day. <laughs> oh my God, such a dick. Well, I'd like to say so we've cute. all been there. Okay, here we go. <laughs> ah, this is a classic one. This is the workhorse. <laughs> Spitfire? No, that was the Hawker Hurricane. Ah. I see the, the, the lower uh, rev rate. It's a 12-cylinder, but that, that's as high as you could rev it. <laughs> Made 30% of balsa wood, the Hawker Hurricane. <laughs> Lovely gun platform. <laughs> Top speed, 280 miles per hour. <laughs> what else have we got? <laughs> no, did it wrong. Wait. <laughs> That was the uh, Supermarine Spitfire. Oh. Oh, Mach uh, 8. Oh, I thought it was Mach They're 7. very <laughs> subtle when you get between them. And then... Uh, Lancaster Bomber. Ty no, uh, Hawker Typhoon. Ah. Yeah, Lancaster Bomber can't do four engines. Ah. So what I did one time was record my voice four <laughs> times. I did. See, the thing I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> And now, now I know all the players uh, that play for Arsenal, so I get, get into different things. It's, uh, I should find things that are more productive. <laughs> None of the other comedians I spoke to this week have uh, covered World War II engines. No, I shouldn't have brought that in. <laughs> and finally, Tony. Yeah. Uh, you've played the Bedford in Ballam quite a few times, I imagine. Yep. Uh, how do you... Is it, is it good coming back here? Always, yeah. They, was the first, they were the first guys who ever gave me my 20, first 20-minute set. And they would book me back no matter what. And I, I have died on my hole here over the last 12, 13 years, but they keep <laughs> bringing me back. They don't care because they like me. And then uh, the audience likes you too. So sometimes you can really like storm it. So I've got a bit of a following in this area. But um, no, Dave and these guys, I don't think they'll ever stop booking me. I, I've tried my hardest to make it impossible for them to need to bring <laughs> me back, but they keep bringing me back. But that's them, though, because they are the pioneers of alter mm. proper alternative comedy. So will we see you here next year? Of course. As many times as Dave will have me. Absolutely. I'll never, never stop playing here. I'm going to be the oldest hipster in town. <laughs> well, Tony Lord, thank you so much for joining us. And my I pleasure. can't wait to see you at Edinburgh Show. Thank you very much. Cheers, mate. If you're interested in learning more about human rights or joining Amnesty International, then please go to our website, amnesty.org.uk. And make sure you don't miss our next episode. Here's a sneak peek. The idea of the show Masters in Town that I first had was that there is something that I, I just find brilliantly delightful about the 
the difference between everywhere in Britain, that one town is so different from the place up the road. And I love those little quirks. I love the fact that oh, you, know, you go to Barnsley and it's different from Huddersfield. Folkestone is different from Margate. And the little things that, every, that, that make it different and distinct. 